Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. I don't think I've ever seen a health crisis in January as bad as this one. And I include the one in January 2021 because take your mind back two years from today. This is the 5th of January. Take your mind back two years. And we were in the midst of the worst COVID surge of all the COVID surges we had. And every hospital in the country was like a battlefield, like a war zone. And we filled entire mornings here with horror stories from within and from without of of what was going on there, what was going on in the UK. We spoke to Irish people across the UK. We thought we'd never go there again. Now we have this crisis that's upon us here in January of 2023. Yes, there's COVID involved, but there are other respiratory illnesses and other problems, and it's led to massive backlogs, shocking backlogs, right across our uh, health system. No. To be fair, right across health systems, right across Europe. I went through a list yesterday of countries where they have a problem. Obviously, the UK seems to be in meltdown. France, Spain, Denmark, Sweden, Germany. They've all got their individual problems with their health systems at the moment. What do you do? And are we worse? And we had a Minister for Health yesterday morning or the night before, was it, saying, well, it's going to get worse before it gets better, to which I'm kind of saying, well, how much worse can we expect it to get? I listened to one doctor on national radio the other day saying in 30 years as a consultant, he had never seen anything like this. Uh, 41 years ago, Dr. Chris Luke uh, graduated as a young medical student and went into with the title of his book, A Life in Trauma. Chris, good morning. Good morning, PJ. In all your years, have you ever seen what's in front of us now? I'm afraid I don't think I have. Uh, and I, I, I often thought that it was unbelievably bad, you know, and that's going back over 20 years. I mean, things have been very bad for 25 years. And as I keep saying... Um, you know, we had queues of ambulances outside emergency departments in the mid-90s. We had difficulties with people on trolleys or not finding trolleys in, in Ireland in the 80s. But even despite COVID, I think this is the worst we've ever, we've ever seen. And of course, the thing is, uh, PJ, as you're suggesting, 
the flu, the, the so-called triple-demic, is again, it's one of these famous straws, you know, that, that broke the camel's back. We have a, an accumulation of problems uh, going on for at least 25 years, which has led us to the situation where we have fallen over uh, because of a, of a relatively small surge of, of cases of viral illness. Has it happened, Chris, or was it caused? And if it was caused, by whom or what? Well, you know, uh, I, I, I have to say that there, there is a fragility. There is a lack of resilience. There is, has been a lack of surge capacity that all reflects the, a, a want of intervention, a want of investment, a want of real, above all, attention being paid to the capacity of our emergency departments throughout these islands. And, you know, I, I often think that the, 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 the real issue is that the, the leaders in, in our hospital system, the, the, the leaders in our, in our health system and service nationally and politically, they don't spend enough time in the emergency department. And, I, you know, I put a piece in the, in the Irish Examiner today and one of the small number of, uh, one tiny example of the, 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 the recipe I suggested was needed to fix the situation was for the chief executive officer of every single hospital with an emergency department uh, to spend uh, time in their emergency department every single day and to lead the monitoring of the situation, to, to lead the assessment uh, the, the way a, a general or an admiral would do. Uh, and to direct what I call the non-clinical. And so, you know, you can't expect a chief executive to come down and make medical decisions. No one's asked mm. him to do that. I'm simply saying that, you know, listening to that horror story of the last day or two of people spending days uh, on trolleys in, the situ in, in Limerick and dozens of people sharing one toilet, that enraged me because that it, it typifies, that illustrates that exemplifies one of the main reasons why emergency departments are so dysfunctional. Because we've got clinical staff, the nurses and the doctors, who are not only trying to see an overwhelming number of patients, but they're also being expected by the corporate you know, management uh, to, to fix the toilet, to fix the toilet floor, to find uh, brushes and buckets, to find chairs, to find seats, to find water, to find sandwiches for patients who are starving. Uh, and it, 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 for me, the, the want of logistic support is a classic example of how dysfunctional we have allowed our emergency departments to be. So it has to be all hands on deck, PJ. It has to be yeah. all hands on deck, starting with the men and the women at the top of our uh, organisations coming down to the emergency department. And for as long as the emergency department in our hospitals is described by the people as being overwhelmed, the CEO and their team of every hospital should be in the department seeing for themselves what is required, whether it is a clean staff room or a clean staff toilet or a sandwich for the staff who haven't got time for a pee, never mind to sit down in the staff room, you know, so that there are ranks of people supporting the dwindling number of doctors and nurses. Because, it, it is, I mean, the, it's the final straw is when you can't have a pee, you can't have a tea, you've no time to stop, and then you're expected not only to do all the clinical. It, I mean, this clinical, this, this medical work is incredibly complicated now, uh, PJ, because, you know, medicine is so much more complex is so yeah. much more high-tech and there are so many more elderly people with a, a, a you know a multiplicity of issues
issues. That the, the, the days of nurses and doctors going off and, and, and doing the, the portering uh, and the catering and the stocks and, and the, you know, the stocking of, of, of kids, it's just not possible any longer. Yeah. Two things that uh, Minister Donnelly said in the last 48 hours. One was yesterday morning. I was aghast when I saw that press briefing. He said it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I'm thinking, how much flipping worse can it possibly get? And secondly, he was talking about bringing consultants in at the weekends. Do consultants come in at the weekends? Did you in your time on the ground? I know you're retired from actual practice now on, uh, in the departments, Chris. But did you spend weekends in? I mean, PJ, that is so insulting. I, I cannot tell you how offensive. I have spent, uh, you know, upwards of 16, 20 hours every weekend for years in the ED and in, in CUH. And I see which particularly because, as you know, the Mercy Hospital didn't deploy a consultant in emergency medicine uh, until 2022, as far as I can gather, and they're not even in place yet. So CUH has had a consultant in emergency medicine on the shop floor every single day of the year since the late 1990s. And for people to suggest otherwise is to lay bare the fact that they haven't been in, that these politicians or these commentators uh, or, you know, these pundits suggest that they have not themselves been in an emergency department uh, on a Christmas day or on an Easter day or an August bank holiday. So, you know, before you come out with this sort of stuff, I mean, it is utterly insulting. Uh, and, that, you know, even in our big emergency departments, consultants are there from very early, seven, uh, half seven, eight in the morning till eight, nine, ten p.m. at night in almost every big emergency department at this stage. Because most of them now have more than the, the two of us that were there in, in CUH in 2000. You know, now there's a, there's a dozen. So, like, there are, there are several consultants on the floor in every big department in our, in our country every day of the year. And, you know, and not, not to mention the fact that I'm in and out like a yo-yo at two in the morning, at three in the morning, at four in the morning for major call-outs. I mean, I don't know where they get this perception. It, it, it strikes me as a mixture of ignorance uh, and spiteful kind of uh, doctor passion. Uh, but it's, it's extraordinarily unhealthy. Mm. We also have a, sh- a shortage of staff, as you know, Chris, and I've spoken to the, the nursing union people on the ground at, at CUH frequently, and um, the impression one gets from the doctors and the nurses, the impression one gets is you come out of college, you do your couple of years, and then you're on a plane, and there seems to be no way to stop that. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Yeah, well, you know, I got into terrible trouble with all this, PJ. I, 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 you may remember I was director of postgraduate medical education at CUH for a long time and internship. I mean, I was responsible for the, the, the provisional year, the year of, of provisional driving by our, all our graduates from UCC. Um, and, you know, we did an enormous amount to improve their teaching. We had hands-on skills courses uh, in on the campus in UCC for the, the day or two before they started on the wards. We had all sorts of practical skills training. Uh, and then they had, you know, really very high quality two or three hours uh, a week, you know, given by consultants and, and senior registrars for, for that year. But then, unfortunately... I mean, I had a significant, I had a simple ulterior motive. You know, I wanted the doctors who got their license at the end of that intern year to then come on to the emergency department, you know, and by which time they'd be hugely experienced both in the hospital, they'd know their way around the hospital, they'd know people in the hospital, they'd know the culture in the hospital, and in addition, courtesy of the CUH intern teaching program, which I I think remains of a very high quality, they would then be extremely well prepared to to give our citizens uh, the very best of care in the ED uh, at CUH and Cork and Bantry and Mallow. But sadly, over the last uh, 10, 15 years, uh, our graduates have headed straight for the airport. Uh, now, I have suggested over the years, I've tried to couch it in, in delicate you know, and sensitive uh, language, that I think that uh, it would be great, and I use the word great in commas, you know, as a euphemism, mm. it would be unbelievably valuable and helpful if our graduates spent six months or a year in our, in our system before heading off. And, you know, PJ, I am, as you say, I I qualified 40 years ago, more than 40 years ago now. Um, And in my time, in my generation, you know, almost every single Irish doctor went abroad in their third or fourth year. And as a result of that, they went through Boston, they went through London and Berlin and Sydney uh, and, you know, a huge number of other centers of excellence. They did their training there and 90% of them then brought that training back to them. And that's how we have excellence in Crumlin and Temple Street uh, and CUH and St. James's. and That's how it works. And that's how it's worked for years. But this new thing is where they go abroad immediately, our doctors, uh, and they go to Australia or New Zealand for sometimes for a gap year, sometimes genuinely to start a career. But often it's locuming or it's travel or it's, or it's, a, it's a gap year. And m- my argument as a, as, a, as a pastoral educationalist and as a clinician who had spent years desperately trying to recruit doctors for the Mercy and for CUH and for the South, you know, interviewing every second or third day anybody who might take a job. Um, my point, and I, and I traveled to Australia a couple of years ago to meet one of my great friends who runs one of the biggest emergency departments in Australia, and he, he confirmed my suspicion that the doctors going from Ireland now are, have no experience, have little or no experience, the, the way they used to. And in the mm-hmm. olden days, you know, when, when people like me went in their third year postgraduate, you know, I went off to Edinburgh after three years in the Irish system. And I can assure you, I did about 80, 90 hours a week, every week mm. for those two or three years before I arrived in the Royal Infirmary of Edinburgh. And I was quickly promoted because I was uh, relatively advanced compared with the, the other graduates because I'd had so much experience, so much hands-on. Uh, in, in Ireland, and that used to be the way it was. That used to be why Irish graduates were so welcome 
and so popular in the UK and Australasia and America because they, they, they seem to be arrived with incredible uh, amount of, of ability and competence but, and skill that they picked up changed. because they were working. So, and now it's, it's all changed and sadly yeah. um, our doctors are leaving before they get, uh, they, they get to know people in, 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 in the country before they get to know, navigate the system. And of course then there's a vicious circle because if they come back then into general practice, there's a dane in Ireland that is, there's, there's a risk that they don't understand the culture, that they don't know how to navigate, they don't know who they're, yeah. who they're dealing with on the other side and they can't make the phone call or they're not, they're not quite so comfortable doing what would, in the olden days many GPs would have done in terms of, for example, minor head injuries or minor wounds or, sure. you know, ambulatory care. Chris, if I were in the position to give you the keys of a hospital, say the one you spent so many years devoted to, CUH, if I gave you the keys of CUH today and said, Dr. Luke, it's all yours. Do what you can to sort out this mess. Where would you start? I would reorient the entire hospital to the front door uh, or to the back door, whichever way you want to look at it, uh, to the emergency system. And I would say we have a crisis here that is easily as severe as the COVID pandemic in terms of healthcare. And in terms, I'm afraid to say, in terms of potential lives lost and, and disability, uh, the legacy, the legacy of disability and, and, and illness because of uh, potential delays in treating and diagnosing people at the moment right around the country and right on both sides of the Irish Sea. And I'd say, right, we need to get into what was pandemic mode. Now it's polycrisis mode. We have a polycrisis because it's affecting so many parts of our system the ambulances, the general practice community, uh, because of the dwindling population of GPs, uh, the, the number of, of paramedics who have been leaving in the last year or two because of the stress, uh, the fact that they're waiting for hours in their ambulances with their patients for hours outside the EDs because they can't get them into their... So I'd reorient the entire... I'd reconfigure the whole hospital system for the time being, for as long as the EDs were being overwhelmed and potentially lethally overwhelmed. And I would, I would make sure, if I was the, if I was the boss, I'd be in the emergency department every single day for at least 30 to 60 minutes. Uh, because, you know, and, and let's be realistic, an emer- a hospital the size of CUH is, is incredibly vast. It's got thousands and thousands of staff and hundreds of functions and activities. So it's a very, very complex organization. But for the duration of this polycrisis, I'd be in the department in ED, in ED for you know, half an hour. So I could see for myself what they needed. I would be absolutely on top of damaged or blocked toilets. I'd be absolutely on top of a want of trolleys or chairs or cleanliness in the staff room or sandwiches and tea and hot drinks for the staff at three in the morning. Uh, and I would do everything I could to make sure that even if there was no beds, uh, that patient, patients and staff were made as comfortable as possible in so many little ways in terms of the clean toilet, the clean car and, and the chair and so on. I would also do what I could uh, as a boss to secure even hotel accommodation if such a thing existed or to have contracts with local nursing homes uh, mm. because... Uh, you know, a significant percentage of all our acute hospital beds, are, as you know, are taken up with elderly patients who have got over the initial medical treatment yeah. and who need uh, uh, step-down facilities, whether it be quasi-medical, you know, like a, an advanced nursing home or just hotel accommodation. And I would do what I could because that actually is one of the quickest wins, the yeah. quickest fixes. To Somebody find- said across the system, Chris, there's nearly 600 beds like that. 
that you know you you can't throw a person out of the bed because they need some kind of care but they actually could do without being in hospital yeah and that's where uh, if i was a minister i would uh, i would do what i could to uh, make sure that the nursing home community the nursing home staff are paid far better than they are because it is not a, it's not good enough to pay nursing home staff, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the minimum wage or just a little above that. These people are looking after the most vulnerable, uh, aside from our neonatal wards and our children's hospitals, these staff in our nursing homes are looking after the most vulnerable people and the most loved people in our, in our population, the elderly and the frail. And they, I mean, to, to pay them the minimum wage is to suggest that the population doesn't think that that care really is worth anything. So we need to pe- pay people a, not just a living wage, but a wage that will attract, you know, people or retain people in, in that sector. Because without a really flourishing nursing home sector, this crisis, this polycrisis will continue ad infinitum until and unless we get nursing homes staffed adequately by well-paid and happy staff. Mm. Uh, we're not going to fix the, fix the problem. And the same goes to, um, to general practitioners. They, we have to stop uh, laying on, you know, laying on, piling on the criticism. These, I, I know for a fact that all the GPs in our country are working flat out uh, mm-hmm. to deal with the surge in, 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 in workload. And they need, they need, as I heard just yesterday on the radio, GPs need access to scans uh, and imaging and outpatient clinics because without those uh, facilities, all they can do with somebody who has a flare-up of, of a long-term disease is to send them back into the ED because yes. the outpatient facilities are so restricted. Yes. Uh, and then, of yes. course, I, I would have um, the pharmacists uh, have more leeway in terms of prescribing of a, sm- a relatively small you know, formulary of, of medications and also little things like the ability to tweak a doctor's uh, prescription for a type of antibiotic or a type of painkiller, mm-hmm. if there's a shortage, as there often is, rather than sending people back, tracing back to their to their GP surgery mm-hmm. uh, and so on. So there's so many little ways we could tweak the system to improve it. Chris, the one thing I dread in the middle of this, and I'm sure you do too, and we've talked about it before, would be turning on my television news or opening my morning paper to see film of a ministerial visit to a sparkling clean ED with the only thing you can smell is paint and disinfectant and there isn't a trolley to be seen set up the usual run of the panto I dread seeing that I'm sure you do too well, you know, PJ, I took a picture of such a scene there about 10 years ago at CUH. Um, for months, we'd had chaos and difficulty and packed corridors. And then there was a ministerial visit or some other, you know, some other group of, you know, uh, dignitaries were visiting. And as you say, all the patients were decanted towards uh, the place that a SWAT team of cleaners defended. It was spick and span, smell of fresh paint, smell of almost the smell of bread being baked, you know? Uh, and again, a knife plunged into the heart of the staff and twisted because it demonstrated, as if anybody needed to know, that where there's a will, there's a way to clear the emergency department. And that is the kind of response that we need to see from our hospital leaders. And we, we because whenever they do it in that Stalinist fashion, you know, for, for the optics, for the, for the great minister, 
uh, as they would have done previously for the emperor or something. Um, they are, as I say, stabbing the staff in, in the heart uh, with, with, with a knife of, of uh, disrespect uh, and, uh, you know, falsehood. It's a falsehood to have a, an emergency problem that suddenly mysteriously empty, uh, gl- you know, gleaming and smelling of fresh paint. It is a falsehood if it's going to be the, uh, back to the way it was the next day. Uh, and I can't tell you how upsetting and how likely to drive people out of the emergency room, as I know it has done, when you think that there's that level of, you know, f- falsehood uh, at the heart of the organisation of our, of, our, of, our, of our healthcare. Lastly and briefly, Chris, Mary Harney spoke about uh, an emergency when she was Minister for Health, and now we have Stephen Donnelly and uh, a cast of dozens in between, and it's still there. What's wrong? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wish there was a pat answer. I, I, I leave you with one, one, one suggestion. I saw there was a paper published from the States there in the last week or so suggesting that doctors make excellent hospital managers. I, I worked in Australia in 1988 and I was amazed and hugely surprised and impressed to realize that doctors could specialize in hospital management. They could do a master's in hospital management after graduating. And I was really impressed. And as far as I could see watching this since then, it is one of the main reasons why hospitals in Australia are so much better run. Uh, because they have clinicians at the very top. Clinicians meaning, clinical meaning bedside. People who have bedside experience and who can see uh, the overall organization of a hospital through the eyes of the clinical staff, the bedside staff, as well as the laboratory staff and so many other uh, supporting professionals. Now, I'm not suggesting that every hospital needs to be run by a doctor, but I'm thinking that doctors uh, uh, and medical staff and nursing staff need much more impact, or clinicians need much more impact at the very, very top. Uh, and we need to stop having uh, dictates from on high by people who only see a gleaming, freshly painted emergency department when they visit a hospital. Right. Chris, always a pleasure to speak with you on the opinion line. Thank you very much. That's Dr. Chris Luke, consultant, emergency physician. His book is worth a read. Um, he brought it out last year, or was it the year before at this stage? A Life in Trauma. His story, but the story in many ways of how we are where we are. Thanks, Chris. Quartz 96 FM. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.